Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to First Church of Christ in Grayson. We're glad that you're watching along with us. Uh, My name is Ben James. I'm the senior pastor here at FCC. During our message this morning, if you'd like, you can follow along at FCCGrayson.com, and you can just go to the message notes portion of that. In that section, I will have uh, part of my outline there, and you can add your own notes to it. At the end, you can send those via email to yourself to have for a later date, if you'd like. This morning, we are continuing to kind of step through the first chapter of 1 Peter. Last week, we began by talking about verses 3 through 5, and this week we're going to be looking at the next section of this passage, and we'll get there in just a moment. But as I've tried to kind of process through this whole situation that we're dealing with with COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic, this outbreak, and just this odd time that we really find ourselves in, I've kind of struggled with finding a little bit of a balance. Because I think that one of the most difficult things for us to do is to wrap our heads around how we're supposed to react to this, how we're supposed to act in certain situations, because this is totally new for all of us. We really don't have any type of a blueprint, not only about how we you know, kind of stay healthy at home, but the moments that we do have of social interaction, if we're going out to the grocery store, the gas station, it feels new that way too. And it just, it, it's hard to balance and it's difficult for us to learn how to, um, maybe the best word is, is manage ourselves uh, in this situation. And I think that most people are struggling to find a balance and believe that, you know, it's either going to be facing this thing from a realistic viewpoint or looking at it from a faith standpoint. And most of the time, people feel like that this is an either-or thing, that it's either I approach it from a realistic standpoint or that I primarily view it through a faith standpoint. Now, if you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time, then hopefully on some level, there's a realization to you that you understand that through trials, through difficult times, and even through this time, this isn't an either-or thing. Um, faith in Christ does not require us to compromise our view of reality of what is taking place around us. And being someone who may look at a reality that's around it doesn't mean that we're compromising our faith. And I think that this is what we begin to see here in the next section of 1 Peter. Because in a biblical sense, we have to embrace a reality. Because the Bible is full of people and men and women, godly men and women, who face trials, tribulations, difficult standpoints, and it instructs us on how to go through these situations because the Bible does not deny that there's pain in this life, that there's grief in this life, that there's, there's depression and these things that come upon us. It doesn't deny that we go through any of these things. Yet at the same time, at the same time, it instructs us that we should have genuine joy 
in the Lord no matter what we're facing. Paul, who is one of the early apostles and who wrote the majority of the New Testament, 13 books to be, uh, to be precise about it, he writes in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, he says, rejoice always. And then he goes on a little bit later to say, in everything, give thanks. The same apostle Paul who wrote a letter to the church at Rome says this in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good. And then the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 states this plainly when he says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Going back to Paul, he speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about his own experience through trials and through pain when he says that he approached them sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And the Apostle Paul would have been considered an authority on navigating difficult times and trials and sufferings and tribulations in your life because from the moment that he said yes to Jesus Christ, he faced difficult times and circumstances until he took his last breath. So as we move on in this passage of 1 Peter chapter 1, I want us to keep in mind as we go through this text that Peter, who is writing to suffering Christians at the time, tells them that they need to greatly rejoice in the Lord, but at the same time, they need to keep right perspective in the midst of their pain. Peter himself was someone who had felt it also, just like the Apostle Paul, after being flogged and warned never to speak again in the name of Jesus, in the book of Acts, it says that he was part of the group in chapter 5 that they went on their way rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. Now last week in verses 3 through 5 of 1 Peter, we talked about our future inheritance in heaven. Now today, we're going to read verses 6 through 9, and Peter shifts his focus here into focusing on the now. Now understand that I believe that there is a real importance to the way that he presented this, because his first focus was he was instructing on, look towards heaven. Look towards the promise of salvation and eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Focus on that. But then, after doing that, I'm going to instruct you as to how to navigate, how to balance, and how to figure out this dynamic that is suffering, grief, pain in momentary times, but yet still greatly rejoicing in God no matter what you're facing. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together. And God, that even though that this gathering 
may look a little bit different than what we're used to, what we would definitely different than what we would desire. God, help us to understand that even in situations like this, you are doing so many awesome things. God, you are so good and you are redeeming things in this time that none of us would have ever considered to be redeemable. So, Father, as we enter into your word this morning, I ask that you just speak through me. Allow me to deliver your word accurately and rightly and correctly. God, I pray for those who are watching and listening that they would receive your word, that, God, you open their hearts to receive what you're speaking to them, whether you're challenging them, you're comforting them, you're convicting them. God, let your word do its perfect work in every heart that is hearing this message this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now this morning I want to bring out three points from this passage that I just read in 1 Peter chapter 1. And the first is that Jesus is our hope through our trials. Now, folks, this should be a comfort and bring comfort to you this morning on many different levels. But one of them that really stands out to me that brings me comfort this morning is that I know that I have a Savior who can understand what I'm going through. I have a Savior. You serve a Savior, if you call Jesus your Lord, that did not spare himself trials while he was here on this earth. He did not spare himself difficult times while he walked this earth. He can relate to what we're going through this morning. The situation that we're facing right now, Jesus can empathize with because he faced trials and difficult situations while he was here also. We don't serve some detached deity that doesn't understand what we're going through, that doesn't understand our emotions or doesn't understand our pains, frustrations, griefs, and the list could go on and on. He knows and he can empathize, and he understands because he humbled himself. According to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Jesus didn't live a life free of pain. He didn't live a life free of trials and sufferings. But it says that he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Now, in this life, trials, persecutions, hardships, difficult situations are part of this life. Regardless of if you follow Jesus or you don't follow Jesus, it's going to be part of this life. And one thing that we can see that in Hebrew, or I'm sorry, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus speaking says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And while we have this promise of a full, abundant life here on earth, we're not promised a pain-free, storm-free, trouble-free life. But what Jesus has done is beyond this relief and this peace that he gives us now through these storms, is he offers us a greater hope of anything that we could ever have here. And what we have here in him is inexpressible. What we have here in him goes beyond anything that I could articulate to you. But there's something better that's waiting on the other side of this life for us. In Jesus Christ, there is an there's an eternity of inexpressible joy and glory and honor in heaven with him. Peter, we talked about this last week. In chapter 4 of this same letter, says, Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you 
which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Guys, situations like what we're going through now, difficulties, trials, sufferings, it's part of it. I wish that it weren't. Whether I believe it's fair, whether you believe it's fair, doesn't matter because it's part of this process. And really, I think that if we're going to all be honest and transparent this morning and think, okay, but why? Why is this necessary? Why do we have to face these things? Why does God take us through trials? Well, I think that leads us, that question leads us to the next point in this passage, which is when we go through trials, it renews our faith. When we go and face difficult situations and circumstances, for those of us in Christ Jesus, when we lean on him, depend on him, and trust in him, it refines our faith. In this passage, it shows us this refining process, and it does so in three ways. Peter shows us the purpose of trials. He shows us the perspective that we need to have in order to walk through trials. And then he gives us a glimpse of what the final product of our trials should be. And the purpose of trials, we find in verse 7, is to refine our faith. And it begins with, so that. Okay, so that what? Well, when we see and look back into verse 6, it's the various trials that we're facing. And we begin to have our faith tested or refined. And he begins to use this reference to gold. And he compares it and contrasts it. And what they do is whenever gold is refined, they put it to the heat and the impurities of the gold as it turns into a liquid form begins to rise to the top. It's called dross, D-R-O-S-S. And the refiner during this process will take these impurities, this dross, and he will begin to skim it off of the top of the gold. And he does this up until the point that there's no impurities left and he can see his reflection in the gold that's being refined. Man, isn't that an awesome concept that even through moments like this when we feel like everything is so unfair and we don't understand it, God is still working for us and he's working in us to make us into what he wants us to be. He's refining us. This is, I don't know about you, but this situation has brought out things in my life that I didn't even know were there. But this is part of God refining us and bringing these impurities to the surface so that we can be transformed more into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter both contrasts and compares us and trials and our faith with gold. First, he contrasts it in that faith is more precious than gold because gold is perishable, but our faith isn't. As valuable as gold is here for this time, no matter how much it's worth, at the moment that we take our last breath, at the moment that we leave this earth, no amount of gold, no worth of gold is worth anything in our eternity. But faith is. Faith is what goes with us and goes through and, and, and provides worth once we leave this earth. Only faith is that currency that does that. Now, Peter compares faith with gold in that they're both refined by fire. The proof, the testing, it's in view of approval. As God refines us, he's, he's proofing us, he's testing us, he's bringing these impurities to the top like I talked about earlier. And as we go through difficult times, genuine faith 
genuine faith will grow stronger, not weaker, through anything that we face. So, whether we like it or not, whether we think it's fair or not, one of the purposes of trials in our lives is to refine our faith. Next, we need to remember that trials are temporary. Trials are purposeful. And trials are still under God's control in our lives. Now, I occasionally like to go on a hike. And a couple years ago, I took a group of young men and women to a conference in Tennessee. And we wound up one day in our free time going to the Smoky Mountain State Park, and we, we hiked one of the trails called Chimney Tops. Now, whether you've ever been on this trail or not, uh, Cameron Stevens, if you're watching, uh, you have a whole different level of appreciation for this story than anybody else. And if you know Cameron, have him share this story about the time that we hiked Chimney Tops. But this is a, it's a, kind of a tough trail in places. And when you get to the top, though, man, when you get to that very top of this trail, then you can look out and you see things with such a different perspective than what you saw them with while you were hiking the trail. The trail was hard. It was difficult in places. It taxed your body and it taxed your physical limits. But when you got to the top, you saw something that you didn't see while you were hiking. You saw things from a different perspective. And I think that's the same thing that through our trials that we experience in God, when we stay true to Him, when we stay focused on Him, when we continue to move forward, no matter how difficult the situation, no matter how difficult the trial we're facing, when we see things through God's perspective, we can see that these trials are temporary. It, it says in Scripture, it says in this passage, for a little while. Okay, okay, thanks, Peter, for a little while, huh? Well, I've been in this trial for months now. I've been in this particular trial for years now. I've been in this particular test for decades now. For a little while? Yeah, for a little while, because in terms of eternity, our life, according to James, is just a mist. That's a little while. Paul expresses this thought in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He says, for, mo for momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our present trials, our present situation and difficulty, no matter how great they are in our lives, pale in the significance of of the light of eternity. Thus, having said that, in the midst of our pain, that's how we can have great joy if we will focus on the momentary, short period of time that this suffering brings us and focus on the eternal glory that we will be able to participate in, in heaven with Jesus Christ. Peter also adds perspective by saying that trials are necessary. They're necessary. And just as we saw with faith perspective, with the temporal things, they have to go, we have to go through these things. I don't understand why. I don't like, I, I'm pretty sure that even if I knew the why, I wouldn't like it. But it's necessary. And I think Charles Spurgeon is right when he says that not only the trials, 
but also the distress is necessary. He argues in his writing, The Christian's Heaviness and Rejoicing, that it is needful that sometimes a Christian spirit even be downcast. Christ experienced distress even unto death in the Garden of Gethsemane. If a Christian doesn't go through those times when they are distressed, Spurgeon argues, they will grow proud and they won't be able to relate to others who suffer and they will miss lessons that we learn no other way. The third perspective that, Peter's, that Peter offers is that trials are under God's control. This is the overall impl implication of this text here, that God is using trials as a goldsmith, watching the molten metal skimming off the top until he sees his image in there. And to know, to know, and to embrace that God is sovereign is a truly great comfort when we're going through trials. Brothers and sisters, rest assured, he has not forgotten you. He's not abandoned you. He wasn't asleep. He's not been on vacation. He's not been checked out through this whole time of this coronavirus. He's working all things, which includes our trials, for good according to his plan. So the purpose of trials is to refine our faith. The perspective we need in our trials is that they are temporary, they're necessary, and they're under God's control. Thirdly, this morning, our joy in trial, our joy in our trials comes from looking to Jesus. Verse 6 says, in this you rejoice. In what? In what? He's coming off of verses 3 through 5 here. In this you rejoice. What he's talking about here is our trials. We, re we rejoice in our trials. Why? Because the salvation that we talked about last week described in these passages, that even though we're in a trial, we can look to Jesus and we will have inexpressible, glorious joy that floods our soul right there in the midst of looking to him. How? Very quickly this morning. Number one, we look to Jesus with faith. And faith is actively choosing to trust God in spite of any circumstance. Faith is not an automatic response. In the time of our trials, we need to bring to our remembrance Scripture such as Matthew 28, 20, when Jesus said, He promised to be with me even till the end of the age. And in Hebrews 13, 5, where it says, He promised never to leave me or forsake me. So in those things, we lay a hold of our faith by what the Word of God tells us, not by what we're feeling or not by what we're facing currently. Secondly, we look to Jesus with hope. In the New Testament, there are three tenses of our salvation. One is that we can truly believe in Christ. We can say, I've been saved from sin's penalty. The second is that we're also being saved from sin's power. And then at some point in the future, we're going to be delivered from sin's presence. It's a past, present, future deliverance of our sins, and that's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We have been, we have been set free from sin. We are being set free from sin, and then we will be permanently set free from sin when Christ returns. And the last thing we need to do is we need to look to Jesus with love. Verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Love for Jesus Christ is our response to his ultimate love for us that was expressed upon Calvary's cross. 
Our hearts need to be filled with the love of Jesus Christ this morning. We need to have hope in him. We need to have faith in him because this fiery trial that we are experiencing and going through requires it. So how do we cultivate and maintain the, this kind of love for Jesus? Three application points really quickly. This is like my second or third closing, which if you're, you know, if you're part of the first church family, you're used to this already. First thing, spend time alone with him. Spend time alone in his word, in prayer, in worship, and in fellowship with God. If, if, if you never spend any time alone with your spouse, then you're never really going to deepen your love for them. Spend time alone with God. Secondly, obey Him. Obey Him. In this, in this culture of what I like to term greasy grace that we live in, sometimes obedience and that concept to God can be viewed as legalistic. But my friends, if you view it that way, then you're not reading the Bible correctly. You're not looking at the New Testament through the proper lens because even Jesus says in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Folks, if we're disobeying God, then we're not going to be able to love him the way that we should. And lastly, I would say come frequently to the Lord's table. It's time that this is a time that we look at what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary's cross. And this morning, I'm going to invite you to do a couple things. Number one, we're going to take just a few moments here, and we're going to have a couple-minute video, and I would like for you all to partake of communion there at home, and we can all do this at the same time. Because one of the things that communion does for us, partaking of this Lord's Supper, is it reminds us of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Number two, it also reminds me of how unworthy I am of his love, of his sacrifice, and his blood that was shed. But secondly, I want to invite you, if you are watching this, if you're listening to this this morning, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, please respond to his call on your heart right now. Don't, don't wait. Don't put it off till we can all assemble together again. Don't delay the most important decision of your life. If you do that, if you'd like for us to pray with you, if you have other things going on in your life that you would like for us here at First Church to be praying with you about, fccgrayson.com, go to the prayer request tab. Fill that in. Let us know. Guys, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as I close. Father, I just, I, I'm so grateful to be able to, even in times that we can't gather, that God, I can still declare your word. God, hearing, listening, declaring your word is one of the sweetest things and the sweetest sounds that we'll ever experience here on earth. So, Father, I just pray that you touch hearts this morning. God, I pray that, that we respond to what you're doing in our hearts, whether it be a need for salvation, whether it be a need for greater devotion, for more discipline in our walk, for more obedience, whatever it might be. God, I pray that we respond to your calling on our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.